with him or should I say meeting him uh, for the first time really tonight but while renewing fellowship with others as well. Again for Mr. Holmes, I thank him for inviting me along to bring forth the Lord's message tonight. No doubt uh, when you all got the list of what the topics were, uh, some people have already said to me tonight, so I'll take it, you'll be going to Job uh, number 19. Uh, so that just shows you how familiar really this portion is, no doubt. Uh, you've read many sermons on that. No doubt you could probably preach it uh, yourself. So if you see me struggling tonight, you just say, brother, sit down and I'll take over and do the rest. But it is an honour to be here to bring forth God's word. Uh, again, Job chapter 19. Uh, it is reading there uh, some of the verses that was read this afternoon. I'm just going to read uh, from verse uh, 25 uh, down maybe to the first uh, 27. The word of God says, Job chapter 19. Verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Whom shall I see for myself? And mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us unite together in prayer, uh, still our hearts in the Lord's presence, and ask the Lord to be everything to us this night. Our Heavenly Father and our eternal God, we want to thank thee for thy hand upon us already. We want to bless thee, O God, for the joy it has been to enter into thy presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. The Father, we have much to praise thee of because of redemption. Father, we thank you, God, for sending thine only begotten Son into this world. We thank thee for the one who lived for us and the one who died for us. Father, we thank you, God, for the one who was buried for us. You, Lord, the one who rose for us. And Father, we thank thee for the one who is thy right hand for us. And you, Lord, we rejoice, O oh God, for the one who will come back for us. Father, we thank thee for who Christ is and all he has done for us. And, O oh God, we pray this night. As we come to the reading of thy word and the meditation of the word of God. Father we look to thee for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. O Father we pray that all men the heavens can come down with power this night. You Lord speak to every heart we pray. And Father we ask of thee that we would leave thy presence this night. Leave this place tonight knowing that we have been in thy presence. And we've had a word from God. Come meet with us we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. The book of Job accounts the sufferings of God's servant. The forms of suffering have been read tonight and they include many different forms of suffering. For instance, Job was forsaken by his wife and by his friends. If you read there in verse 14, Job says, My kinsfolk have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me. And then in verse 17, my breath is strange to my wife, though I am treated for the children's sake of my own body. And then verse 19, all my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. And so Job was greatly distressed. Job was greatly perplexed. His family and friends had turned against him. It was a time of trouble. Again, verse 21, Job said, Have pity upon me, have pity upon me, O ye my friends, 
For the hand of God hath touched me. So it's clear from these verses that God's servant is going through the valley of suffering. It's seen from a human point of view that Job had lost all that he possessed. It seemed that there was nothing going for Job. It was a testing time. It was a hard time. It was a time when things seemed uncertain to Job. However, as we read this portion of scripture, there was one thing that Job was sure about. There was one thing that Job had confidence in, and that was, my Redeemer liveth. While everything else changed around Job, his positions, his possessions, while friends came and went, yet one thing remained the same, that in a time of trouble, Job could say, my Redeemer liveth. And maybe tonight, dear child of God, maybe there's things in your life that seem uncertain at this minute with you. You are going through a valley at this time. It may be a change of employment. It may be a change of career. It may be your job. It may be your marriage. It may be your health. That seems uncertain. And so in times of trouble, in times of unstableness, in times of uneasiness, when your thoughts go astray and you don't know what to do, you need to get back and think about your Redeemer. You must have your eyes focused upon Christ and Christ alone. Get back to what you know does not change. Get back to who you know does not change. This book does not change. And therefore, its author does not change. Our Lord is the same yesterday, today and forever. And therefore, Job can say, in a day when things are changing around him, My Redeemer liveth. He does not change. I have a foundation that is sure. I have a foundation that no matter what happens to me or around me, I am certain that my Redeemer liveth. Job had not lost sight of his Redeemer. And therefore, child of God, if you've come tonight discouraged and your eyes have been cast away from the Lord and you're looking around you, I urge you now, look towards the Lamb. Look towards your Saviour. Yea, as John the Baptist told the people, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of this world. So therefore, here is a truth for us all the rest upon this night. Our Saviour will never leave us nor forsake us. Job could say, My Redeemer liveth. And so as we look at the testimony uh, of Job, I want to look at this phrase, My Redeemer liveth. And go through certain verses uh, in the scripture here. And uh, see, uh, signify what these words uh, mean. Notice first of all, when Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Job thought about the Redeemer's redemption. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And the word there that Job uses in the Hebrew uh, for the word Redeemer is the word that signifies a kinsman or the goel, the nearest of kin, 
our relative. And we learn about the kinsman uh, in the book of Ruth. And so the kinsman is described as one who was bound to take up a cause of someone needy in the family. And so Job is saying, my redeemer, my kinsman liveth. All other kinsmen, all other relatives have failed me. They turned against me. But there's one who I can rely on. There's one kinsman. There's one redeemer that I can depend upon. He will never fail me. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the sinner's friend. He is my redeemer. And this was the great truth that Job uh, focused upon. Redemption in his redeemer. Redemption in his saviour. He thought about his promised saviour. The promised messiah. The one promised right from the fall of man. In the garden of Eden. In Genesis 3 verse 15. That great promise of the covenant of grace. That covenantal agreement. That promise where Christ would be the saviour of his people. And therefore, uh, three simple thoughts under this first point of the Redeemer's redemption. Job thinks about redemption through his Redeemer. There is redemption in the Redeemer's person. My Redeemer liveth. My kinsman liveth. Therefore, Job is thinking uh, about the person of his saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, because the kinsman was uh, related to the person, therefore Christ, in a sense, has, is related to his people. He took our humanity onto himself. He took our nature. He was made like unto his brethren. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. He is the one who was virgin born. He came into this world and took our humanity all to himself. Therefore, in order for Christ to be the saviour of sinners, he had to be identified with those he came to save. And to be identified with those he came to save, he took their humanity all to himself without Sin. We always must make that distinction. He was the spotless Lamb of God. He knew no sin. He did no sin. And therefore, that's why he could be our Savior. Because he was sinless. He was without sin. And so, he took our humanity on to himself. God revealed himself through his Son. God manifest in the flesh. And then we learn, don't we, in Hebrews chapter 2... That the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Redeemer, not only, or Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2, not only is he God, but he is also man. And therefore, the one who would be the saviour of sinners must be identified with both. <laughs> must be identified with God and men. For there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. If he was only a man... He could not save. He could not be our Redeemer. And therefore he is the God-Man. God and man. Two distinct natures in one 
fully God, fully man. God cannot die. Deity cannot die. Therefore, God manifest in the flesh. He took our flesh in order to die. And so, through the Old Testament, redemption was taught to the people by types, shadows, by pictures. And they all pointed to the Redeemer. They all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever that animal was offered up as a sacrifice, the blood of that animal could never take away sin. But the whole picture of that was to show the Jew of one who would take their place, one who would be their substitute, one whose blood would be shed on their behalf. And therefore, they were taught of redemption in Jesus Christ. They could not save themselves. One had to come and be their saviour. And so, here is redemption in the, in the uh, Redeemer's person. Jesus Christ came to do what men could not do for themselves. And that was to offer up his life a sacrifice. He lived for his people and then he died for his people. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. A body thou hast prepared for me. And the word there prepared, it signifies to frame. And so a body was framed for him. A body was prepared for him. A body was prepared for him to live in and to suffer in. To die for the sins of those he came to save. And so in a time of trouble, in a time of trial, Job thinks about the person of his Redeemer. I have redemption in my Saviour. Oh yes, things may be taken from me. But one thing can't be taken from me is my Redeemer, is my standing in Him. As Paul said, nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ. And therefore, child of God, we are accepted in Christ. And nothing can uh, separate that bond. So Job thought about, uh, he thought about his Redeemer and redemption. He thought about redemption in the Redeemer's person. But notice also redemption by the Redeemer's payment. Because in Leviticus chapter 25 verse 47 to 48. Regarding the Levitical law. And a person that is, has debt or sold into slavery. Because of their debt. The only way that they could be released was by payment was by the next of kin, the Redeemer, the kinsman, uh, coming and paying that price. The Bible says in Leviticus 25, after that, he is sold, he may be redeemed again, of one of his brethren may redeem him. So the kinsman was able to redeem, to purchase, to buy, to buy back, the possessions of that one or to buy back that one himself if he was willing to do that but he had to buy back what needed to be bought he had to pay a price to buy the one out of slavery and to buy him those possessions out of slavery and what we're simply saying 
By nature, we are slaves to sin. By nature, we are spiritual paupers. By nature, we are the children of wrath, even as others. And therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, in order to save sinners, to rescue sinners, he had to pay the price for them. He had to pay that price. And what was that price? It was his own precious blood. It was his own life that he offered up as a sacrifice to redeem we who were slaves. And therefore, always remember tonight, child of God, the Lord did not have to save you. He could have bypassed you and would have been just to do so. But the very fact that he purchased you, the very fact that he has bought you, shows his great love and his great mercy. And because he bought us, we are no longer slaves. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We have been free to serve him. And so Paul said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, we are bought with a price. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, tells us what that price is. It is the precious blood, for we're not redeemed. We're not bought, in other words, paid for with corruptible things, such as silver and gold. But what are we paid for? What are we bought with? The precious blood of the Lamb. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. Revelation 5, 9. Thou, ha, thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood. Oh, I am glad tonight there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's fiends and sinners plunged beneath that flood shall lose all their guilty stains. Tell me tonight, are you saved tonight? Are you washed in the blood? Is your sins forgiven? Oh, tonight you can come and have your sin forgiven. You can know peace with God through Jesus Christ. But there's, you must come the blood sprinkled way. There is no other way. And therefore Job, when he thought uh, in his trials, and he thought about his Redeemer, he thought about the person of his Redeemer. And then he thought about the payment of what his Redeemer did for him. He bought me, as Paul said, to the church at Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, first, uh, the end of verse uh, 19 or 20. He loved me and gave himself for me. For me. And the word for me signifies on behalf of, in the place of. He gave himself in my place. He took my place. He loved me and gave himself for me. And so Job is thinking here in his trial. He gets to think about his Redeemer. Notice also there is redemption by the Redeemer's power. Because the kinsman not only had could buy the slave or and all the possessions, and not only did he have, be willing to do so, but he also must have power to do so. He must have power to release the one in bondage, in captivity, in slavery. And he must be willing to do it. And therefore Jesus Christ has all power to redeem his people. 
He has all power uh, to set his people free. Whenever Israel were in bondage, they were saved by the blood. And it was by the blood that they left Egypt. And so we see this picture of the kinsman in the book of Ruth. Remember Ruth chapter 2 verse 20 speaking about Boaz. And there is the kinsman redeemer uh, type of Christ. And Naomi says uh, about um, Boaz, this man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And so Boaz could purchase all that belonged to Naomi and Ruth. He was willing to do it and he had power to do it. He was a man of wealth. We know, of course, in the book of Ruth, there was another closer to Boaz. And he had power. But he was not willing to redeem Ruth. But Boaz, he was willing to redeem Ruth. He was willing to be her kinsman. And he had power. He was a man of wealth. And the nearest of kin. To be the kinsman, you had to be the nearest relative. You had to have power as in wealth, to buy the possessions and all that belonged to that person. And you had to be willing. And like I said, there was one closer to Boaz. And he was the kinsman. And he had power. But he was not willing. Where Boaz, the type of Christ, he was the nearest, he was the kinsman redeemer. He had power. He was a man of wealth. But he was also willing to redeem Ruth to be all that she needed and so he took her on to himself and so by nature we are spiritually bankrupt and only the power of God can deliver us and the Lord is willing to deliver sinners remember Mark chapter 1 you read of the leper and that leper that came to the Lord in Mark chapter 1 verse 40. That leper that was un unclean. That leper that was cut off from society. That was cut off from the house of God. That leper came in all his fineness and all his filthiness. And what did he say to the Saviour? If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If thou wilt. In other words, if thou wert willing... Thou canst make me clean. You see the leper knew Christ has all the power to make him clean. And he knew if you're willing to do it you can make me clean. And what did the Lord respond in verse 41? I will be thou clean. In other words I am willing be thou clean. And therefore tonight men and women when you were lost in sin and you came to the Lord and you confessed your sin. And you said Lord save me. He saved you. He had power. And he was willing to save you. And sinner tonight. The Lord is willing to save you. But are you willing to come? Are you willing to leave all and follow him? Are you willing to leave your sin? Turn from your sin. And rest upon Christ as saviour. He's willing to save. And therefore Job can think about his redeemer. He can think about redemption. All that he has in the person of Christ. In the payment and in the power 
of his Redeemer. My Redeemer liveth. My kinsman redeemeth. I liveth. And so, in a time of trial, you think of all you have in Christ and all that Christ has for you. When your health takes a turn for the worst, as you know, many people, at certain points early in the ministry, people get phone calls from time and time and they meet people and you hear stories that their health has just changed in a minute. And maybe if that happens to you, well, you think about redemption in Christ. You think that even right to your dying day, oh, love, that will not let me go. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And the word cast out that used in John chapter 6, 37, it means to expel. I will in no wise expel. I will never cast you out. I will never expel you. <clears throat> and therefore, when the devil plays in your mind, am I truly saved? Am I really going to heaven? Get back to your Redeemer. Get back to redemption. Get back to what Christ has done for you. I know I am safe and secure in Christ. I'm not going to heaven because of my prayer. I'm not going to heaven because of my church. I'm going to heaven because of my Redeemer. So Job can look and say, My Redeemer liveth. Notice secondly, there is the Redeemer's representation. Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Uh, so here we have a great truth that I want you to grasp this because you hear this nonsense that people say you cannot preach the gospel from the Old Testament. Uh, no nonsense, by the way, I'll just put it like that. Uh, the reason why, because you read Galatians 3 anyway, and you will hear that the gospel was preached to Abraham, so that will silence that anyway. But here in Job's case, Job uh, believed not only in his Redeemer's life and death, but he also believed in his resurrection. And isn't that what the gospel is? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And so Job says, "My, I know my Redeemer liveth. And there is the whole gospel in that phrase. We learn in Job chapter 1, verse 5, that when Job was praying for his family, and there is a great lesson as well, always pray for your family. Job prayed for them on the grounds of the blood. He offered up uh, that burnt offering. And the burnt offering in the Bible speaks of Christ. It is that offering that is wholly given over to the Lord. That offering that is presented to the Lord as a sweet smelling saviour. In other words, that offering that pleases the Lord. And so as Job prays, he prays on redemption ground. He prays on the ground of the shedding of blood. And therefore Job knew, my Redeemer, he died for me. He could have faith in his Redeemer, the death of Christ. But also, notice the resurrection of Christ, the representation. My Redeemer liveth. Those words mean, or literally read, my Redeemer is living. Now, remember, 
You think of when Job is living, back so long ago. And there Job says back then, My Redeemer is living. My Redeemer liveth. Job in his day saw the death of Christ. But he also saw the resurrection of Christ. He saw the one on high representing him. My Redeemer liveth. My Redeemer is living. See the word there, liveth, it's the tense in Hebrew that means continuous. My Redeemer is continually living for me. And so Job saw his kinsman Redeemer as the representative. The one who lived for him, died for him, and rose again for him, and appeared in the presence of God for him, uh, there to uh, plead for him. And so here is the great truth of representation. Job was assured, while men may forget me on earth, while no one will remember me on earth, I have one who remembers me in glory. I have one who prays for me in glory. I have an advocate in glory. I have a man at God's right hand. My Redeemer liveth. My Redeemer is living. My Redeemer is representing me now at the throne of God. So Job saw his Saviour at the right hand. And therefore, child of God, our Saviour, our Redeemer, liveth for us. He is not on the cross. He is not in the tomb. He is alive forevermore. He is at the throne of God. Living for you. Praying for you. Interceding for you right now. That your faith fail not. It's not good to know that. Your Saviour is praying for you. When you have a hard day. Your Saviour is praying for you. Oh and the person beside you. Forgets your name. Now I know we've all come tonight. and I know we know maybe familiar faces. Uh, maybe you don't know everybody's name. I don't know. And maybe you leave here tonight and you'll forget that person. And maybe and the next time you'll remember them is next month when you come back again for another meeting. Ah, sister, brother, good to see you again. And all that time you haven't uh, thought about them the whole month. Christ never uh, stops to think about his people. They're always on his mind. He ever lives for his people. He always presents his people at the throne of grace. Praying for his people that their faith fail not. When you have a hard day or something comes your way next week that no one else knows about. Your Redeemer is praying for you. And therefore it's good to know our Redeemer uh, our forerunner has gone within the field to appear in the presence of God for us. Now why is that important? Why is that important? Well, because we have an adversary, the devil. As Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, he is a, as a roaring lion walketh about seeketh whom he may devour. And the word there, devour, I don't know if you ever thought about this word or not. Uh, maybe when you eat your dinner, uh, you can let this word come back to your mind. Uh, but the word devour, <laughs> it means to, uh, think about food. It means to chew on and spit out. If you had a, a bit of chicken, oh, there's no vegetarians here, but if you had a, a bit of chicken, and you had a breast, and you had a thigh, and you had a wing or something else, and you put them all in different, in seven, three different groups. You would know that's a breast, that's a thigh, that's a leg or a ring, whatever you want to say. But if you ate it, chewed it, and spit it back out, it would just look a mess. 
You couldn't identify. Oh, which one's which? It's just a mess. And so your adversary, the, the devil, wants to defy you. In other words, he wants to chew up, spit you. He wants to make a mess of your life. Wants to make a mess of your ministry. Wants to make a mess of your marriage. Wants to make a mess of your studies. Wants to make a mess of you. That people will say, there was one who preached, but look at them now. There was one who used to be in the prayer meeting, but look at them now. Nowhere to be seen. There was a one who preached the gospel of Christ. And what's he now doing? The devil wants to chew you up and spit you out. Make a mess of your life. And every day he comes before the throne of God to accuse you. And in all fairness, his accusations are right. Because we sin every day. Didn't John say to the church, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we make God a liar. So we have sin every day. Yes, we've been delivered from the penalty of sin. We've been delivered from the power of sin. But we still battle daily with the presence of sin in our life. And the devil comes before the throne and accuses us. Look what they've done again. Look what they've said they wouldn't do and they're doing it again. Oh, how many times? Forget them, throw them away, cast them aside. They don't deserve mercy. And we learn this, don't we, in Zechariah chapter 3, where you have Joshua the high priest and Satan there to resist him. Bring every accusation against him. And what did the Lord say to Satan? The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. I know there's another picture there. uh, But just for our purposes now, uh, we're thinking about one who is our representative. One who is pleading for us. One who answers every accusation of the wicked one. And how does he answer them? He answers them by the blood. They are mine. I have bought them. And therefore, because we have a man in glory, he represents us. He prays for us on the ground of his own redeeming work. So Job could say, my redeemer liveth. My redeemer is living. He's pleading for me. He's representing me before the throne of God. Remember, Job chapter 1, you read of all the attacks of the wicked one against Job. And yet, he could say amongst it all, my redeemer is living for me, pleading for me, interceding for me, representing me. And therefore, can I ask you tonight, is he your redeemer? Oh, I pray that you'll come this way. Finally, there is the Redeemer's return. So there we have. Job thinks about his Redeemer as far as redemption goes. He thinks about his Redeemer as far as representation goes. But now, he now casts his eye upon the return of Christ. These are wonderful words. And therefore, uh, Job has the view of Christ returning to earth uh, to rule and to reign. Uh, Notice, uh, as this chapter was read earlier on, and again through the book of Job, you know, Job is one who has suffered in the body. And uh, there is that disease going through his body, the boils, and all these different pains and sores. Yet, Job knew that one day his body, being frail, being temporal, would go all the way off the earth. 
But his hope was in the return of Christ. And he said, in my flesh shall I see God. His Redeemer had purchased his body and soul. And therefore, Job knows that he will be forever with the Lord. Though the worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Job has his eye upon the return of Christ for him. He will see his Saviour. He looks forward to that day. Remember the Lord taught in John 14, verse 2 to 3. He taught his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, and I notice the words, I will come again. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I will come again. And so there's Job back then, in a sense, saying what the Saviour says, I will come again. Notice also Acts 1 verse 11, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him, go into heaven. Titus chapter 2 verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So Job knew about the return of Christ. Job knew his Saviour would return in all his glory and his eyes would behold him. Again, even Enoch, didn't Enoch prophesy in Jude 14, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And therefore, when Christ returns in glory, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, we meet him in the air, along with all the other believers, Job can rejoice in that day. He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So there Job can even say, when Christ returns, he will return to earth. Again, Zechariah 14 verse 4 tells us, And his feet shall stand in that day. Where? Upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. Job, again, knew that when Christ returns, he would return personally. He shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. He. He knew that Christ would return physically. He shall stand. He knew that it would be visible. My flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold another another. Job in his day was looking not only for his Saviour's, towards the Saviour's death, but also for his Saviour's return. My Redeemer liveth. He's living for me and he will return for me. He's coming back. Are you ready for the return of the Lord? You're here tonight, you're not saved. You need to come at once. You're without hope, without Christ as Saviour. And therefore that day for you will not be a joyous day. 
that day for you will be a day of terror, for it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The child of God that day for you will be that glorious day when the Lord comes back in all his glory. And as he rules and reigns, we shall reign with him, O oh, to be forever with the Lord. But until that day, we must be busy about our Father's business. Until that day, we must have our eyes focused upon our Lord. Uh, until that day, we must, as John did, seek to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. Therefore, go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Yes, let men and women know that Christ has died for sinners and they need to be saved. But let them know as well the coming of the Lord draweth night and they must be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And therefore, they must seek to be busy in the Master's service. So, as Job, in this portion of Scripture, he thought about his Redeemer. All his Redeemer has done for him, was doing for him, and will yet do for him. My Redeemer liveth. And I trust tonight that as you leave this place tonight, that you will think about your Redeemer. You will think about the one who has died in your behalf. The one who is representing you. And the one who will come back for you. Trust tonight that you will glorify the Lord and honour him in all things for his name's sake. Amen. Just getting together further now and the meeting back over to Mr. Paul. Heavenly Father and eternal God, we thank thee for a wonderful Saviour and a wonderful Redeemer. We thank thee for the one who loves us with an everlasting love. We thank you, God, for that one that set his love upon us and drew him to himself. And here, Lord, we rejoice, O God, for that one who is coming back for us. We thank you, O God, for the day when the Lord will come back. And Father, we pray, O God, that we will rejoice. But Lord, as well, we know, in a sense, for us, we rejoice in that day. We look forward to that day. But Lord, we must confess, in a sense, Lord, uh, we know that there are family members that we have. They're not ready. We know, Lord, we have friends still without Christ, without a Saviour. Lord, we know that they'll be sentenced to eternal damnation. Oh, Lord, we ask of thee that in wrath thou wouldst remember mercy. Oh, Lord, may we see loved ones and friends, those that we pray for, those that we've shed tears for, come to Christ, we ask of thee, for the Saviour's sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.